Um, we're now in our, sorry, uh, it, it's hard. We're now on our week seven of our series entitled Miracles. And, and, and who among you have experienced miracles here? Amen. Now, as we experience miracles and as we see his glory, my prayer is that we don't stop there. All right? We don't stop in just experiencing the glory and the miracles of Jesus Christ. Rather, may the, may the experience or may the, may the glory that we see propel us and encourage us to proclaim God's word. And um, before we continue with the preaching today, um, it's really difficult for me to be here right now. Um, I, I just want to share a story. Last week, actually the week before that, me and my, my wife were already sick. Uh, we had the, the, we had lost our voice, and then Thursday it came, it comes back, you know, and then Saturday in the afternoon, in the evening, we start losing our voice again, but nothing's and, and and it's been like that for two to three weeks, but nothing has prepared us for what happened last Tuesday. Now last Tuesday I woke up really sick, like really really sick. Um, I had a terrible headache, but I had to go to work because. I had a very important meeting that day, um, but in the afternoon at around 4:30, I was already very feverish. Um, I went home, took 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 the thermo took the thermometer and took the my temperature. It ended just about 38.6 degrees. So what I did was I, I immediately had my dinner at 5:30 and took my allergy meds, so that by 6 6:30 I was asleep. Um, music team came that night. Of course, of course, they played music. I woke up. Shame on you. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> All right, so they, they played the music. Thank God they did because while they were singing, I, I got ministered to. At about 8.30, they left the house. They took my wife and my daughter with them. Um, I don't know where they went, but I was left alone. And then I said to myself, thank you, Lord, for the quietness. Right? Thank you, Lord, for the, for the rest. And then I slept again. And, and you, know, you know, who among you have received phone calls in the middle of the night that you're just afraid to answer? Did, did you ever receive those phone calls? Especially if summer just passed away. I know what you did last summer. You know, but joking aside... Yeah, who among you are, are, are afraid to answer phone calls from people that you haven't spoke with for, a, for, for some time, you, people you don't speak with on a regular base, basis, suddenly calling you? So at about 9.30 in the evening, I received a phone call from Pastor Chris in Oman. And then he called me on Messenger, and, and I just didn't answer because I was half asleep. Um, I saw the phone ringing. I thought I was dreaming. I did not answer. And then it stopped. And immediately, as soon as it stopped ringing, he again called, now using his landline, his normal number. Right? Not Facebook Messenger, not WhatsApp, but he was now using his line to call. And, and, and it was scary. I mean, that was scary. That was really scary, but I still didn't answer. Um, and for the third time, he called again. And, and by this time, I was almost awake. 
uh, because then again, because I took my allergy meds earlier. But I still didn't answer because I did not have the courage to find out what's going on. So in the middle of the call, of the ringing, I prayed, Lord, give me the courage. He hung, he hung up the phone, and then I called him. And then there was this terrible news that one of our close friends, uh, Rainier, he passed away. Every time we had a conference, we'd always make a point to spend one night together. Coffee, paparotti. <laughs> okay. um, and so uh, he died. It was so difficult for me because we spoke the week before, but I was so busy at work. I, I, I almost didn't give him time. And I told to myself, when I get home in the afternoon, I'll call him, I'll message him, but I was sick and I didn't get to do that. And yeah, I received that call. He died. Me and Chris, we couldn't believe it. I immediately hanged up the phone, called Pastor Mar. Pastor Mar is our senior pastor in Sharjah. And as soon as he picked up, he said, you know, our friend like, left us and went home. And, and, and this man is really instrumental to me personally because he is one of my faithful intercessors and one of my encouragers. And, and I hope that, you know, take, you take time later on to just pray for his family, pray for comfort, pray for favor as well as they process his papers going back to the Philippines. And things like this happen, right? Things like this happen and it's, it's inevitable. We can't avoid it. We don't understand when this happens. But it happens. We lose people that we love. I don't know. It, it, it's, it may not have happened to you yet. But I'm sure, and this is not you know, escaping the fact that sooner or later it will happen to you. And... People will call you in, 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 in the middle of the night and, and, and just tell you that someone that you love passed away. Now, I'm not sure if one of you have lost your loved one recently or maybe you received bad news about your health or bad news about the health of your family members. But in times when we are hurting, in times when we are sad, in times when we don't know what's happening, we might ask this question, all, you know, we, we would ask this question, Lord, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is a family member sick? Why is a friend who is healthy 
taken away from me? Why is this young man taken away from me, from us? Why, Lord? Why? Even, and it will leave us in a mess. And if you are in that situation right now, if, if you've lost a loved one, you have someone who's sick, if, if you're in, in, in a broken time of your life, I want you to hold on to the promise of Jesus Christ. Because this is His promise, that He restores, He heals. But more than that, I want you to hold on to this promise that Jesus is the life and the resurrection. He can raise the dead and He can bring dead people to life. I don't know where you're, what you're going through right now. I don't know the difficulties there are right now. But this is the promise of Jesus Christ. That he can bring the dead to life. Now, if you're in the book of John, why don't you open your Bibles there? And, and I want you to read this, this scripture with me. We'll be going through John chapter, one, John, John chapter 11, verses 1 to 46. And let's read it all together. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister, Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was ill. And, and when you read this passage, the, 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 the part where Mary does this did not happen yet. Okay, it did not happen yet. It will happen later on. But, G, but John wanted you to know that what Mary did is, is because Mary did this because something important happened to her. And this is this part. Right? Verse 3, So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, The illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Verse 7, Then after he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to kill, to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of, the wor of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Verse 11, After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus, has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Verse 12, the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will not recover. He will recover, rather. Verse 13, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus had died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go, that we may die with him. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Father, we, we just thank you for today. Lord, I know, Lord God, that some of us are hurting right now. 
some of us, Lord God, are in pain. But Father, I pray, Lord God, that this morning we may see your glory, Lord God, and how you love us even when it's hard for us, Lord God, to see it. Lord, open our eyes, Lord God, and open our minds. Lord, resurrect, Lord God, what is dead in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, what does the Gospel of John focus on? The Gospel of John actually focus on, focuses on the life and teachings, death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and, is written, and it is written so that with the goal of convincing its readers to believe. Right? To believe what? That Jesus is the Son of God. Now, chapter 11 follows a series of miracles that Jesus performed. And we've been talking about that for the past few weeks. Right? In the first weeks, we talked about Jesus turning water into wine. And without wine, right, there's no party. That's what we said. That, that's, that's what we assume. Okay? But actually, the life of the party is not the wine. The life of the party is Jesus Christ. Now, number two, Jesus heals the official son by word, okay? He could have done this to Lazarus, you know? When, 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 the, when, when the messenger came, he could have said to the messenger, go back, Lazarus is healed. He could have done the long-distance healing, but he didn't do it. And then the healing of the invalid man, right, who was in the pool of Bethesda. Then after that, there was a miracle of the multiplication of the bread and the fish, and then Jesus walked in water. And last week, we talked about the healing of the blind man. But like in the story of the blind man last week, who was really blind? And as we go into the story today about Lazarus, we think to ourselves, who was really dead? Was it Lazarus that's dead? Or was there people among, when, when in the time of Jesus Christ, was, was there people that, people that walked? as if they were alive, but they were dead. Maybe they were walking dead. In chapter 11, Jesus receives news that his friend Lazarus was sick and eventually travels to Bethany when he raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, I want you to put this in your minds or put this in your notes that this miracle is actually the climax of the book of signs. So earlier, right, until chapter 11, it's just the book of signs. Now, chapter 12, we will be talking about the book of glory. Because chapter 12 onwards focuses on the events leading to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. You get it? So chapter 11, before 1 to 11, that's about the book of signs. Now, in the middle of that, is chapter 11, and after that, it will be the book of glory. Now, Jesus left Jerusalem, remember earlier last week, why? Because he claimed that he is the Son of God, and the Jews wanted to stone him. So he left uh, Jerusalem, and he is now in a town called Bethabara. Okay? Bethabara, it's very important. When a messenger came and gave the, the bad news that his loving friend, close friend, Lazarus was sick. And what did Jesus say? Okay. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, this illness will not lead to death. Okay? This illness will not 
lead to death. Right? Now, um, the, the trip actually would have took a man one day. Remember that? One day to travel from the place where Lazarus is to Bethabara. Okay? The next day, Jesus sent him back with the encouragement that the illness will not lead to death. Then Jesus waited two more days, right? And did what? What did Jesus do in those two days? Remember, his friend was sick. Right? When your friend is sick, what do you do? You go to him. Right? You message him. You call him. You send flowers. You give chocolates even if he's diabetic. Alright? But Jesus waited two more days. Doing what? Of course, he's doing something important, but it's not as important as, you know, that John did not even record what he did for those two days. You get me? John did not even record what he did for those two days. And it seems that what he did was really, was insignificant. Okay? So, if you look at the timeline, and this is important, when you look at the timeline, the same day that the messenger goes to Jesus Christ was the same day Lazarus died. Do you agree with that? So actually, maybe, just maybe, when the messenger said, Jesus, Lazarus has died, he was already dead. When the messenger left the house of Martha and Mary, Maybe after 30 minutes, he was already dead. Right? The next day, the messenger returns, and the next day, Jesus waits, and then on the fourth day, he decided to go to where Lazarus is. Right? Now, put yourself in the shoes of the messenger. Put yourself in the shoes of the messenger. You know, you've witnessed Jesus Christ do wonders and miracles the past weeks. You go to him, and then Jesus says, you know what? That illness doesn't lead to death. Okay? Stay the night, rest, eat, sleep, eat breakfast, and then go back. But then as you go back to where, to the town, to where Lazarus was, as you enter the town, and you, go, you come close to the house, you hear people crying. You see that the crowd has already gathered inside the house and around the house. Why? Lazarus had died. Jesus just said earlier, this illness will not lead to death. And yet now, as he entered the town, as he was close to the house, right? Lazarus was already dead. Jesus, you just said that this illness will not lead to death. Why, Lord, then that he has died? Have you ever asked that question? Lord, you told me to come to Bahrain so that I can experience your fullness and your mercy and your grace. And yet, Lord, why is my salary still three months delayed? 
Lord, you told me to do this, Lord, and I did it. And you told so that I can receive your promises. But yet, Lord, why? Why did I still not receive your promises? Maybe because sometimes, just sometimes, we are placed in a situation we, when we are just, uh, where we just have to believe his promise. Our situations don't compute. We don't know what's happening. And yet, maybe, just maybe, we are placed there so that we can learn or we can have faith to believe in His promises even if it does not compute. Believe in His, in his, in his promises no matter how the evidence points to somewhere else. Believe in His promises even when, when what you see and what you feel says the contrary. Lord, you told me to give my tithes and I will receive your blessing. And I give my tithes, Lord, but why am I still lacking? Isn't it better to lack with Jesus Christ than to lack without Jesus Christ? Why, Lord? Why? When the facts say it's impossible, when the doctor says there's no more hope, when your finances say it's gone, you know what you have to do? Just believe. See, in this story that we've just read, in this section of the passage that we just, we've just read, there is more than just Lazarus coming out of the grave. There's more than just Lazarus coming out of the grave. Sometimes, it's not just our physical body that dies. Our dreams, they die. Our hopes, they die. Our relationships, they die. And even our faith, sometimes it dies. But I want to remind you today, and you can take this to the grave and back. And you can take this to the grave and to eternity. Jesus is the life and the resurrection. He can bring the, back, the dead back to life. And he can you know, breathe life into the dying. Now to understand and empathize the story this morning... I want to invite you to place yourselves in the shoes of three people, okay? The shoes of the three people. And who's those three people? The disciples, okay? the sisters, and the Jews. I want to invite you to see, put yourselves in their shoes so that you may see how God is glorified in front of you. And why is it important to do that, Okay? It's important to do that because it is for our sake. It is for our sake that we see the glory of God this morning. So first, let's talk about the disciples. Right? Most of the time, what do we think of the disciples? We think of the disciples as super saints, right? We think of the disciples as super saints. They never fall, fail, they're faithful, they're true, etc., etc. But guess what? Truth be told, the disciples often failed Jesus Christ. 
Are you a disciple of Christ? Have you failed Him? We all have. Right? In this story, we see that the disciples were confused. Jesus said that they were sleeping. They thought that Lazarus was sleeping. They did not understand that he was already dead. Physically, that is. Now, after witnessing him do miracles, knowing that, you know, and, and knowing that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, right? Knowing that he could have healed him even when he was far away. Maybe the question that is, that's in the mind of the disciples right now is, why would he have allowed Lazarus to die? Remember, you're a disciple. You've witnessed the miracles of Jesus Christ. You've witnessed Jesus Christ heal the official son, even if the official son was far away. So the question now is, and you've heard, you've heard him say, this illness will not lead to death. But now Jesus is saying Lazarus had died. What would you be thinking if you were in the shoes of the disciples? And worse than that, okay, there's even more worse than that. Okay, worse than having the disciples, um, worse than letting Lazarus die. You know what's worse than that? What's worse than that is he waited four days. Four days is a very important number according to Jewish tradition. Why? Why? Because they believe that the soul of a deceased person, who among you watched The Good Doctor? Uh, not Ghost Doctor. I think I have a poster there. Right? Ghost, okay. Ghost Doctor. Okay? Now, the, 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 the... See, I can see those Korean addicts. Now, to the Jew, they believe that <coughs> the soul of a deceased person remained near the body for up to three days after death. So for up to three days after death, I'm sorry about that. <coughs> so, the Jews believe that the soul would remain near the body of the deceased person for up to three days. Okay, three days. <coughs> because Jesus waited for four days, kalas, okay? That person has no hope of resurrection anymore. That's what the Jews believe. So if you were a disciple of Jesus Christ, what would you have been thinking? With you is a man that can resurrect the dead. With you is, the man, is a man who can heal the person even if he's far away, and yet this person waited for four days. Here's a man who has been faithful with his word the, the weeks that you were together, and now he said, this disease will not lead to death, and yet it, it, it led to the death of Lazarus. If you were these disciples, what would, what would you have been thinking? Would you have been doubting? 
would you be questioning yourself? Would you be questioning, did Jesus really love Lazarus? Who among you would have asked that question? Did Jesus really love Lazarus? If he allowed Lazarus to die, did Jesus really love Lazarus? He did. See, the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God for his people is not a pampering kind of love. Let me say that again. The love of Jesus Christ, the love of God for his people is not a pampering kind of love. The love God has for us is the perfecting kind of love. It's for us. He loves us so much that He wants us to be perfect. It's us like fathers loving their children. <coughs> loving their friends. You, if you truly love your friend, you want your friend to be what? Perfect. That's the kind of love God has for his people. Now, verse 4, it says this. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Right? It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This illness, okay? 14, it says here, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And, read it with me, for whose sake? For your sake. For your sake. I am glad that I was not there. Why? So that you may believe. Jesus said that the illness would not lead to death, but it is so that the glory of God and of the Son may be seen. Why? So that we may believe. Did you get it? Why did Jesus, he did not allow Lazarus to die. He was already dead when he heard the message. And why did he not resurrect him immediately? Because if he resurrected them immediately, the Jews would have thought that, okay, it's still within the three-day limit. Okay? It's still possible for this man to resurrect. He waited four days because he was, by that time, he was really dead, dead, dead. And why did he do that? So that the glory of God and the glory of the Son may be seen. Why? So that we may believe. John Piper believes and so do I. John Piper said this. To love someone ultimately means helping them see and experience the glory of God. Right? Did you get that? John Piper said this, and I believe in this. Right? To love someone ultimately means helping them see and experience the glory of God. Do you love your friends? Do you love your family? 
Do you, do you love your boyfriend and your girlfriend? Because if you love them, if you love them, you will help them see, not only see, but also experience the glory of God. Because he believed that the glory, God's glory is the ultimate source of our happiness and fulfillment. Therefore, to love someone ultimately means helping them see and experience the glory of God. That's what the love of Jesus Christ, that's how the love of Jesus Christ is for his disciples. That he loved them so much that he wanted to perfect them, that he wanted them to experience the glory of God. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he's not just performing a miraculous display of power, but is also revealing the glory and the power of God to his disciples, to Martha and to Mary, and to the Jews that were present that day. Jesus truly loves Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Not only the disciples also, but even Jews that were with them. The same Jews that wanted to stone Jesus Christ to death. You see how beautiful God's love is? Now, when Jesus announced that he was going to Martha and Mary, the disciples were alarmed. Right? Why were they alarmed? Because the people wanted to kill Jesus Christ. There was a death threat. Okay? And, the, and, and their faith was actually wavering, and we see that in the statement of Thomas. Who knows Thomas? Thomas the doubter. Okay? What did he say? He said, so Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, verse 16, okay? He said there, let us also go that we may die with him. He witnessed Jesus do miracles. He witnessed how, you know, he was so faithful. He witnessed how... His, uh, whatever he promises comes to pass. And yet, here, in this very instance, he thinks that he will die if he goes with Jesus Christ. Now, Thomas means what in Aramaic? Thomas means twin in Aramaic. Question is, whose twin is he? Who is the twin of Thomas? Do you know who's the twin of Thomas? You don't know who the twin of Thomas is? Okay. When you look at the mirror, that's sometimes that is the twin of Thomas. If we are honest with ourselves, sometimes the twin of Thomas is us. Sometimes the twin of Thomas is you and me. When does this happen? When we are in times of unbelief. When we are depressed. And sometimes we're the twin of Thomas because we just feel like it. As we talk about the story of Lazarus, I want you to ask this question. In your life right now, in what area of your life right now is dying? What's dying? Is your faith wavering? Is your hope dissipating? 
Have you ever asked that question? Or everything's just okay? Everything is smooth. What's dying right now in, 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 in your life? What area of your life right now is dying? <coughs> My prayer is that as you see the glory of God in the shoes of, your, of these disciples, is that you witness God's glory and that God's glory will help you build up that faith. How can we do that? How is that possible? You know what? Just worship Him. Earlier when you were doing worship, I was really ministered to. You want to see God's glory? Worship Him with His people. I remember the first time I attended an Every Nation, Interna Every Nation um, global event. And, and as we worshiped God, it felt like I was in heaven because I was worshiping God with people from different nations, different tribes, and different tongues. It's possible. If, if your faith is wavering right now, you know what? Know Him. Know about Jesus Christ by reading the Bible. And if that's difficult for you to do, if you want to see God's glory, right, just look at creation. The sunrise and the sunset. The heavens and the seas. That, those are witnesses to God's glory. And if that's not enough, look at the relationships that are around you. Glorify Him in your relationships. See, we witness God's glory when we... I witnessed God's glory when I saw my family come to God and witness how God has transformed them. It's an amazing, amazing sight. And I hope every one of us gets to experience that. See, the disciples experience God's glory when despite their stubbornness, God was faithful to them. And I hope we get to experience that as well. Amen? Now let's take another shoe. Let's now wear the shoes of the sisters. Okay? I don't know if it's a Stiletto. Okay, if it's a six inch high heel, but now let's put our shoes in the not, let's put our feet rather in the shoes of the sisters. Okay? Now let's go back to the timeline. Again, day one, the messenger goes, Lazarus died. Day two, the messenger returns. That's the first day of waiting. Day three. Uh, Jesus waits as, uh, another day. That's the second day of waiting. And day four, Jesus arrives in Bethany. Now again, the messenger came back with the message of Jesus saying that the illness will not lead to death, but Lazarus had already died. Okay? We remember that. Now, imagine that you were Martha and Mary. Okay? Who's Martha? Who's Mary here? Can you guess? Who's the one? Who's the one here? Who's this one? Martha or Mary? Martha or Mary? Who's Mary? Okay. 
Who's Martha? Who's Mary? Who says this is Martha? Raise your hands. Who says this is Martha? Okay, come on, higher. Okay, who's, who says that's Mary? Okay, who's, this is Mary, okay? Who says that this is Martha? Alright, and this is Mary. Alright, okay, that's, I, I believe that this is Martha. Why? Because Martha is the doer. Okay, Martha is the doer. Now again, when the messenger entered the house, Lazarus was already dead. If you were the messenger, what would you have said? Uh, 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 Martha, uh, Mary, Mary, listen, I came from Jesus Christ and he said that this illness will not lead to death. How would you have responded? Would you respond like, hey, what are you talking about? He is already dead. It's now the second day he's dead. Would you have responded that way? Maybe, right? Because Lazarus had already died, right? Now for Martha, what, did, what, what, what was Martha, how did Martha feel that day? Martha, for Martha, maybe it was grief and disappointment that Jesus did not arrive in time to prevent the death of her brother. Amen? If you are Martha, you might, have experience, might be experiencing grief and disappointment because Jesus did not arrive in time. She likely feels a mixture of sadness, frustration, and confusion, wondering why Jesus who had actually healed many others, right, did not come sooner to heal your beloved brother. Let's look at the verse. Verse 29, it says here, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, what did he do? She went to him and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Remember? Wow. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, have not, would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. How did Martha reply? Martha, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again. Not today. Okay? Not today. Remember, it's the fourth day. Not today. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. See, Martha was a woman of faith. Even when she was grieving and disappointed, he still, she still believed in Jesus Christ. But what did she lack? She lacked one thing. She had the faith, but she needed one thing. And what was that one thing? Truth. She needed truth. When people die and when we grieve, we need either truth or we need tears. Martha needed to hear the truth. She was blinded by tradition. She failed to understand the words of Jesus. But what did Jesus say? Again, so you see how faithful Jesus is. Jesus said to her, to her, 
I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, or though he die, he shall, he, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives, lives and believes in me shall never die. Then, she, then Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? What did Martha reply? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe you, you are who is coming into the world. Now, what was going into the mind of Martha? Let's process this together. See, the teaching of death and resurrection in the Old Testament can be found in several places. Okay? But, it does not, it's not explicit or it's not clearly articulated. You will see teachings about death and resurrection in the Old Testament, but it's blurred. It's not easily understandable. It's not perfectly articulated. Now, one example is found in the book of Job, okay, where he declares, I know that my Redeemer lives, Job said this, and that in the end he will stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Okay, that's in Job chapter 19. Okay, it, the, the Old Testament talks about death and resurrection, but it's not clear. Now, here Job expresses his belief in the resurrection of the body and the ultimate triumph of God over death. Now, another example can be found in the book of Daniel, right, of death and resurrection. This is what's going on in Martha's head where the prophet speaks of time of resurrection judgment, saying, Daniel, Daniel 12, 2, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame, and everlasting contempt. So it's not clear in the Old Testament. Okay, It's not clear what is death and resurrection. But what does the statement of Jesus imply when he said, I am the resurrection and I am the life? Okay? When Jesus said this, he took this vague doctrine of death and resurrection, he took this from the old books of Martha and placed it into the person that's standing in front of Martha. Did you get that? Did you get that? He took this vague concept of death and resurrection and placed it on himself, on Jesus Christ. He made this doctrine alive when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Before that, Martha thought that it was just a concept. Martha thought that it was a promise that is going to happen but Jesus, when he said that, he said, death, uh, resurrection, and life is happening today. It's happening today. See, when we know Jesus Christ, we have nothing to fear. If you want to experience eternal life, you don't experience eternal life after you die, you experience it here. If you want experience, if you think you're gonna experience heaven, yes, you will experience heaven to the fullness when you die, but you can experience it here now on earth. How? Through Jesus Christ. 
What Martha needed was the truth. And what did Jesus give to her? The truth. But there's another person that is in need of the story. And who's that other person? Mary. Mary. Verse 32, it says here, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Again, whenever we see Mary, she would always be at the feet of Jesus Christ. Saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What did she say? She says the same thing that Mary said, correct? Same, same. Right? What, what Martha said is the same thing that Mary is saying right now. If you were here, my brother would not have died. If you were. That's so, you know. when, well, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her also weeping, how many people were weeping? Mary and the Jews were weeping. He was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Now, every, everybody thinks and feels differently. Correct? They say the same thing, but they think and feel differently. We may say the same we may say the same sorry. We may say the same words, but everybody is unique. And one of the most naive things that we do is we think like everybody is just like us. One of the naive or one of the bad things that we do is that we assume that everybody is just like us. Now, I have been corrected by my wife so many times about this because I tend to compare myself with others. Oh, he can do this because, you know, um, we're of the same interest. Oh, he's, he's like this because we, we have the same thought. But we have to remember that God created everyone uniquely. Therefore, everybody is unique and we have to treat everyone uniquely. Right? Here's an example that God has made us different. If in this room, I, I, I divided this room to, let's say, 20 people. Just say 20 people. And then I said, oh no. I divided this room into 10 groups. Okay, 10 groups. And then I said to those 10 groups, each group will have 10,000 BD. <coughs> each group will have 10,000 BD, and then you get to spend this 10,000 BD on your vacation. Okay? I'm sure this will happen. So again, you're divided into groups, no? One group would say this, okay, let's divide this 10,000 BD equally. Okay? And then just do whatever you want because I don't want to spend my vacation with you. Right? One group would say that. Okay? Whose group would say that? Okay? Now, another group would actually do this. Let's buy tickets to Europe or to Australia or to wherever and then let's decide what to do when we get there. Okay? Who would do that? Buy tickets and then just decide what to do when you get there. No one? Okay, you don't have 10,000 BD. Okay, there. Okay. But I am sure that if, there, if we are grouped to get 10,000 BD each, 
one group would actually make an Excel sheet and then list a risk and benefit and uh, pros and cons on how to spend the 10,000 BD the best way and have savings in the end. Correct, Anthony? <laughs> and what am I, why I'm saying this? Because we're all designed uniquely. Now, if Martha needed truth, okay, Martha needed truth, here is how Jesus reacted to the same statement Mar that Mary gave. Here is how Jesus reacted to the weeping of Mary and the people that were around him. Did he say truth? Did he say, stop crying? I am the resurrection and the life. Did he say that? No. What did Jesus do? He wept. Two statements, two different reactions. Now, one thing that I love about Jesus is that he loves us individually. He does not love us as a church. He loves us individually. Martha needed the truth. Jesus gave the truth. Mary need, needed the, the, the tears. Jesus gave the tears. But my question is this. Question. Okay, it, it, It's just, I know I need to take a psychological exam soon. But why did Jesus weep? Why did Jesus weep? Why did he cry? He knew that in the next 10 minutes, in the next 10 minutes, he will raise Lazarus from the grave. Did, did that ever enter your, your head? Why did Jesus cry when he knew that he will be raising Lazarus from the grave in the next 10 minutes? Maybe because he came from heaven, right? Where did Jesus come from? From heaven to earth. And he knew that Lazarus would lose a lot of things when he comes back to earth. Because in heaven, he would have, have had the fullness of joy, the fullness of the Father. He would have experienced praising and worshiping in the, in, in the presence of angels and in the presence of the Lord. He would have been doing that in heaven already. Maybe he cried because he was asking him, to come back to earth. Or maybe it was because he was disgusted with, the, with what sin has done to the world. Maybe that's why he cried. Maybe he saw the pain that, that was caused by sin. And that's the reason why the, the, the Jews and Mary were crying. It was because of sin. Now, I don't know the real answer, but what I do know is that it, you know, when Jesus Christ cried, wept, it actually exposed his humanity. It actually exposed his human nature. See, he has experienced our experiences. Did you ever think about that? Or do you still worship a God who is distant, who is far away? Or are you worshiping a God who has experienced the pain that you have been going through? His tears being displayed is actually showing his sympathy towards his people. How would you feel when you were crying and crying? I mean, I, I did this and I'm so sorry I did it in the past. 
someone came to me and he was crying, he was crying. He said, oh, I broke up with her. Oh. And as I said, and then all I said was like, you know, maybe you're not meant to be. I was so, I was so cold. I was so apathetic. Instead of just saying, you know what, bro, it's okay, I'm here. When Jesus cried, he showed sympathy towards his people. Now, in the case of his disciples, his glory is revealed on how he loved broken people and how his glory is revealed in how he cares for his people. But to Mary, who needed tears, he weeps with her. To Martha, who needed truth, he gave her truth, even when Martha was really stubborn. You know, Martha, she already received truth, but she's so stubborn. You know, when you have a friend, when you have your friend, I told you so, you know. He will just break your heart, but you still went, you know. I told you so. I saw him do this, and you still believed him. And, and that's Martha. And we see that in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Remember, Jesus. what did Jesus say to Martha? I am the resurrection and the life, okay? And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said this to him, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor, for he has been dead for days. And earlier, we thought that she already believed. And yet, you see how God is so good. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, you know, you're so stubborn. You're so hard-headed. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. Stubborn. Right? And yet, God and Jesus, Jesus Christ still showed her love, his love for her by reminding her that that day, Martha will see the glory of God. Now, before we move to the third group of people, let me summarize. So to the disciples, God has shown his glory by the way he loves the broken and the stubborn. To the, to the sisters, he, see, he shows his glory by, 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 by knowing them intimately and giving them what they need. Now, how about the Jews? How about the Jews? How did God show his glory to the Jews? Let's put ourselves in the shoes of the Jews. Shoes, the Jews. Right. 41, then they, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Past tense. Okay? You have heard me. So, when did he pray? Maybe he prayed when he received the news about Lazarus being sick. And that's when, G, when God said, okay, this is the timeline. Okay? Now, I knew, verse 42, I knew that you always hear me, 
But I said this, read it with me, on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Who was he praying for? He wasn't praying just for Mary. He wasn't just praying for Martha. He wasn't just praying for disciple, for the disciples, but he was also praying for the Jews that were around him. Okay? On account of the people standing around. Now his prayer was for the spiritually dead. Those who refuse to believe that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, not only of the Jews, but of the entire human race. Did you get the flow of the story? Right? When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out with his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So what do we see here? There's three things that happen here. Number one, the dead came to life. Number two, that his hands and feet were bound. Right? They were bound, okay? They were, they were taped together, right? And number three, that his face was wrapped with cloth, okay? Try doing this. You can't see anything with your face wrapped, right? Correct? Lazarus was bounded up. He could not walk. Question, how then, how then could he have come out of the tomb? He was bound. His hands, his feet were bound. His hands were bound. His face was covered. He was dead. Now he's in the life. How then can he, could he have come out of the tomb? The man who had died came out of the tomb. When did he do this? How? There could only be one explanation. It was the power of God that brought him out of the tomb. Maybe he floated out of the tomb. I don't know. Maybe he just appeared out of the tomb. I don't know. But one thing I do know is that because of the power and the glory of God was shown that day, the Jews who, were wa who wanted to kill him believed. It was the power of God that brought him out of the tomb. It was a miracle that can never be questioned. A miracle that can never be denied. He was bound, remember? And he was dead for four days. And it's God's power that gave him life and brought him out of the tomb. 45, it says here, many of the Jews, therefore, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. 
But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them that was that them what Jesus had done. Now we had been in the shoes of the disciples, we have been in the shoes of the sisters, and now in the shoes of the Jews. And I hope we see the glory of God through Jesus Christ in this story. That despite our stubbornness, He helps us grow in faith. That He is able to provide for what we need, whether it's truth or tears, so that we may come to believe. That He is able to show His power and glory so that we may believe. But before I end, now I want us to place ourselves in the shoes of the dead man, Lazarus. Imagine you're in the cave right now. Bound, face covered with linen. Imagine that you're there right now. I want you to ask this question. What cave are we in right now? What is binding us? What is blinding us? What are the rocks that cover the cave that prevent the light coming in to us, towards us? Now, there are many of those. Is your cave or is your bondage maybe pride or arrogance? Is it pride or arrogance? See, when we become overly focused on our own achievements or abilities, we can develop a sense of pride or arrogance that prevents us from trusting the Lord. When we rely so much on our achievements and abilities, we stop trusting the Lord. Is that your cave right now? Or maybe your cave is bitterness or resentment. Now, if you hold on to bitterness or resentment, of course, towards others or towards yourself, you become trapped in negative thought patterns. You become trapped in negativity. And that prevents us from fully experiencing the goodness of God that is, you know, through people. Is your death, is your bondage, is your cave, your addiction, or your, or your compulsive behavior? Is it your hopelessness? Or is it materialism? So in our culture, it's easy to become so focused on material possessions, wealth, or success. That if we have so much of them, we just put our faith on what we have? Or is it self-centeredness? Or is your cave fear or anxiety? See, many people in this room, some people in this room struggle with fear, anxiety, or worry. See, that limits our ability to trust in the Lord. Fear and anxiety limits our ability to trust in the Lord. So whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever it is 
that's holding you back, whatever cave you are in right now, whatever cave you are in right now, I want you to place yourselves in the shoes of Lazarus. And I want you to believe God when he says, Child, come out. Child, come out. Jesus is the life and the resurrection and whatever dead areas you have in your life right now, He can bring it back to life. So today, when we all stand up, today Jesus is offering us a new start. I don't know if you've been a Christian for, for years now, if, you, if you've been following God for years now, but if you want a fresh start, God is calling you, child, come out. And I want you to take that step of faith to come out of the cave. Because as soon as you come out, and, re- and you know, when, when you hear God's voice, just follow. Because that voice calls you to freedom. Right? And as we partake of the bread in the cup this afternoon, my prayer is that we experience a resurrection. We experience a freedom in all the areas that, have bound, that are bounded and locked up. Let's all sing this song. Let's continue to worship God this morning. We'll sing. You are the constant in every wind of change. The one that I run to, my forever hiding place. Take me. (coughs) Take me into your shelter. Safe in every storm. Hold me closer in your love. Never let me go. Who you are, cause who you are is who you are. And who you are, you always will be. Seated in the highest place, the unshakable king. Nations rise, and nations rise, and nations fall. Oh, you're unfailing through it all. All creation shouts and sings to the unshakable King. To the unshakable King. To the unshakable King. 
Let's continue to stay in the heart of worship. And as we have our communion together, my prayer is that as when we partake of the bread and of the cup, that we are reminded of God's glory so that we may believe. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And what a privilege it is to be able to come together and partake of the communion. Because as we do this, we remember what the Lord has done for us on the cross when his full glory was displayed on that cross because he bore the sins of all humanity. And in the same way, as Paul reminds the Corinthian church, I would like to take this opportunity to remind everyone that our relationship with him has been restored, which is a big biggest miracle not because of what we did or what we can do but because of what Christ has done on the cross join me as I take the bread and remember the body of Christ that has been broken and bruised for all of us and that's, let us be reminded that by his stripes we have been healed Let's take the bed. Maybe some of you are sick right now. Maybe some of you are, are paralyzed by fear. Maybe some of you have areas in your life that you want God's light to shine onto. If that's you, let me pray for you. Father, I just pray right now, Lord God, for for, 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 for us, Lord, including me. Lord, I know, Lord God, that there are areas in our life, Lord God, that has been overcome by darkness. There are areas of, of our life, Lord God, that has been overcome by death. And Father, right now, Lord God, I just pray, Lord God, that as you have called Lazarus out of the grave, Lord, you have called that area of our lives out of the grave and into your light. Father, it may be a physical illness, Father, it may be hopelessness, fear, and anxiety. Right now, Father, I ask that you shine your light on those areas so that your glory, Lord God, will shine through us. In Jesus' name. Let's take up the blood. Uh, let's, let's partake the cup.
Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the blood that you have shed on the cross. Thank you, Lord God, for the new covenant, Lord, that you have given, that you have made with us, Lord. And my prayer, Lord, is that, Lord, make our days filled, Lord God, with your goodness. Make our days filled, Lord God, with your glory, Lord. And may you open opportunities for us to proclaim your good news. Let your glory shine through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's all receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. And I hope to see you again next week. All right. If you're a life group leader, life group leaders, um, let's meet after this. All right. Um, I'll see you again next week. But if you're a life group leader, please stay. <laughs>